So, oh, there must be a guy in the crew if it smells bad. Our dudes stink. Eventually, BYU will wear the bibs again. <laughs> Jesuits love Russell Westbrook. Most of you are cool. Some of you are weird. We're weird, let's be honest. Are we crazy? And the answer is always yes. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. So it's the BYU Cougars, it's the Houston Cougars. Let's get the voice of the other Cougars. Kevin Eschenfelder on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline to help us understand who BYU is playing tonight because Houston tried to play five different openers, uh, different games postponed or canceled. We saw the two-lane game. It was very impressive. Kevin, thanks for joining us. What do you think of Houston so far through one game? Uh, well, I'd say through three quarters. How about that? Because, uh, I, you know, last time out, after going through all that they went through, and I really commend these kids for being able to stick with it the way they did. I mean, they had the rug pulled out of them, out from under them before the Baylor game, literally 22 hours before kickoff. Uh, you know, the North Texas game was canceled early. Memphis game was canceled. Obviously, the other games were just – we knew going in they weren't going to play Rice or Washington State. But the fact – that you get amped up for a game and then you get it taken away. It's not easy to, to come back from that and be ready to play. They weren't ready to play when the game started. They had the three turnovers well-documented. Hey, I mean, Tulane had 14 points and had had a three and out. That's all they had had on <laughs> offense. That was a pick six. And then, you know, Cougars went down and scored. Then when they got the ball back the next time, a fumble in the end zone. So, they had two defensive touchdowns before really uh, anybody got going in the stadium before the popcorn ever got a chance to to, to get cold. But uh, you know, you look at it. I think once you once they uh, finished with getting the getting the jitters out, uh, they were the dominant team, and they were so much better. They scored on two long drives right before the end of the first half, and I thought that was really the difference because it was twenty four twenty one at that point. Tulane was ahead by three, and I think everybody in the stadium, including everybody on the Tulane sideline, knew that that game was over. So it took a while for them to get going, but once they did, you know, it's hard. I mean, I don't know how many times you're going to win a game and being minus five in the turnover category, but they did a lot of good things. Uh, held uh, held Tulane to, to less than 200, right at 250 yards of total offense. Uh, you know, they held a, a team that had rushed for 100 yards in a game, 56 consecutive games to only 70 yards rushing. So they did a lot of good things defensively, and uh, they were very versatile, very uh, balanced offensively with the run and the pass. I want to break down more of this matchup, but I'm just w- noticing uh, your crib there, your man cave. The, you got the killer bees, you got the Hakeem Olajuwon, you got the Oilers. That, that is some legit swag there, man. <laughs> well, I've been lucky enough for the last almost uh, – well, 25 years to be the the pre and post game show host for both the Rockets and the Astros, and I I do play by some play by play for the Astros as well. So uh, yeah, I've gotten a chance to over the years to you know just basically you, you get to know some of the people you grew up watching play, and uh, so I've been I've been very fortunate and very blessed in that regard. Yeah, and it's a, a busy night, of course, with uh, you know Game Six coming up, Astros Rays tonight, and uh, Daryl Morey, uh, you know, seven down. So a lot going on, a lot going on. Yeah, uh, in, in well, you think right about. Now. Think about all the with the uh, with Daryl Morey stepping down yesterday. Who, if you don't know, that's the Rockets general manager. But uh, not if you don't know. If, if our viewers don't know, that's the Rockets general manager. So now you've lost the three teams here in the city of Houston have lost their head coaches and general managers all in the last twelve months. So it's a it's a clean sweep, right? 
Right, Texans, uh, you know, fired the head coach a couple weeks ago as well. So, okay, let's talk more about the Cougars and Cougars. Yep. So, BYU comes in uh, looking pretty good, uh, 4-0, number 14. The oh, offense yeah. is rocking. Defense has done uh, well against the teams they've played, one of which is a fellow American opponent in Navy in game one. So what's your perception of BYU? Oh, man, uh, Zach Wilson is just fantastic. Uh, they're huge up front. It's the same thing you always see with BYU, very mature, very physical uh, but, you know, the kid under center, number one or under center, a kid taking snaps, he, he may be a difference maker. I just I love the way he improvises. Uh, I just watching the UTSA game the other day. You know, he had a shuttle pass, you know, kind of the, the option pitch, but instead doing it forward, he had one of those passes. He'll drop down, throw it, sidearm, whatever he needs to do, get it around a defender. What amazes me the most about him is – when I looked at his passing percentage, and first of all, becomes the first guy, what Ty Detmer was the only one that was even closer, was the, uh, he, he had 1,000 yards passing and only 73 attempts, whatever the case may be. And, yep. and that, that's a big number, and uh, that's an accurate passer. And when he was throwing 81%, I'm thinking it's going to be you know bubble screens and set this guy up and crossing patterns for six yards uh, at a time. This guy's throwing the ball downfield. That impressed me. Defensively, they're always so tough and so well-disciplined and and well coached, and and I think that anybody and everybody on the the Houston the the, the Red Cougar side of things that they all know that all too well and know that they're going to have to play a really, really good game to to stay in there and and, and try to win this game tonight. Yeah, how are you going to play that tonight with the double Cougars thing? You going to say the Red Cougars? No, I think we'll we'll figure something out. I'm going <laughs> to always do. <laughs> Yeah, I had to say, it seems like, you know, if you're not playing BYU, you're playing Washington State, so it's one of the two. It's, uh, it, it, you know, it, it works itself out. We talked about Zach Wilson. Let's talk about Clayton Toon. So, obviously, there was a lot of drama early in the season last year with uh, De'Aaron King. Oh, he's going to redshirt. He transfers. Now Clayton Toon's the guy, and Dana Holgerson is a quarterback whisperer. He's had some tremendous quarterbacks in the past, Brandon Whedon and uh, uh, Geno King, uh, uh, Smith, excuse me, and, and several Smith, others. Yeah. So sure. w- what's the next step for Clayton Toon? What's his evolution like right now? I think that, uh, you know, he took a step in the right direction the other day. They love, I mean, they really do. First of all, I say, you know, I understand what you mean by drama, but I don't think uh, there was ever, Derek was fully intending, I believe, to stay at the University of Houston. Uh, you know, I think he got some advice outside, and, and there is not a person in that building that doesn't wish that young man all the best. And, beca- and, and there's nothing, nobody in that building that didn't become a Miami fan as soon as he transferred because he is a wonderful kid, a wonderful kid that got his degree and earned the right to go wherever he wanted to go. And, and I think everybody, every, everybody appreciated him for all of that. He's a great guy. And, and I just wanted to say that off the top. But, but Clayton soon, I think, is a very, very talented kid. What I appreciate about Clayton is that, you know, he has waited his turn, bided his time, stood over and, and learned a lot. Uh, he is, uh, he, he's not unlike Zach Wilson. He is very athletic. I mean, he's a kid that can beat you with his feet. They don't want him. They don't want him beating people with his feet, but he can also beat you with his arm. And, uh, you know, you, you see that when you watch every down that he, every snap that he's taken, you see how much he has grown as a player and, and the, the maturity level and, and the game. You can almost see the game slowing down. He's one of those kids. You can see that the game has slowed down a whole lot from where he was uh, a year ago. And let's face it. He's got a lot more weapons around him this year than he did uh, in the last two years. So that, 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 that tends to help a whole lot. Absolutely. I should mention Will Greer as well at West Virginia. He was Absolutely. Tremendous, Will uh, yep. a Heisman finalist. He was awesome. Uh, talking to Kevin uh, Eschenfelder, voice of the Cougars. 
of Houston. Uh, last year, Houston 4-8, and eight, obviously an off-year. Uh, Derek King redshirting part of that, some injuries, some Power 5 guys sitting out who are back in the secondary. What's the expectation for this team this year, especially after game one? If, uh, if I had to give you an expectation, I would say, I don't, I mean, not to ride the fence on this, I don't think anybody knows because of the whole craziness of the season. Uh, you know, I, I think Cincinnati is clearly the team to beat in this conference, but if they get continue to get better the way they went from the first quarter to the second quarter to the third to the fourth, they can stay healthy. Uh, you know, I think the expectations are very high for this team. Uh, but I just think it's such a weird season. You know, I mean, look at you guys' schedule. I mean, you, when have we ever been in a college? You remember that I was talking about how these schedules can never be changed because they were, you know, they're set five years in advance. Well, you know what? <laughs> Let's face it. BYU could be playing somebody four weeks for five weeks from now that, that wasn't you didn't even think about. So uh, it's just a weird year. So I, I, I'm not skirting the question. I just don't know what the expectations are. They look very good. They're so much more talented. They're so much better coached. Uh, I think last year was – the, the break an egg to make an omelet type of a season uh, for a coach that was taking over a program. He redshirted a lot of kids. Uh, he had some kids transferred that had to sit out. So, uh, you know, they're much more talented. You know, are they going to be able to put it all together in a short period of time? You know, time will tell. But, uh, but I do think they're a lot better team, obviously, than they were a year ago. Yeah, after we saw 4-8, and eight, we thought, no, that's not typical Houston Cougar football. No. This is a, a good group of five team, right, and a team that, uh, you know, uh, was competing for in NBCS games previously. So let, let's talk about this. Houston and BYU, in addition to having the same nickname uh, with the Cougar, feel connected in the Power 5 dialogue of expansion every time. Do you feel like these are two of the top candidates? Should there be expansion in 23 and 24 maybe? Yeah, I think so. And I think you could also probably throw uh, Cincinnati into that mix as well. That's, a, that's the program that stayed. Uh, you know, Houston's always going to have – BYU has such a, natu- a national reach, obviously uh, – uh, that's something that they have going for them. Because I think you have to look beyond what both of these programs, they have poured tons of money. I know speaking on behalf of the U of H, uh, they, they poured tons of money into their, their program. They've improved their facilities. Uh, their facilities are, you know, they're on par with, with just about anybody else, uh, anybody else around. So uh, yeah, that's part of it. And uh, you also have to throw in the fact that this is the fourth largest city in the country. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, uh, you know, the only, only, you know, New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago are the only cities bigger than Houston, Texas. So that is something that obviously comes into play when you start looking outside, uh, outside the actual realm of football, but or all the all the all the sports. But uh, that's something you got to think about. Uh, BYU has that national appeal, as I said. They're always going to have fans, no matter where they are. There'll be a lot of Cougar fans in blue tonight. Uh, you know, the, because the city is so big and, and so diverse that there's a lot of a lot of BYU fans here in this city as well. So I think that, uh, you know, both of them should be very well deserving of being considered into that group as well. But SMU certainly improved their program. Cincinnati's one of those. And I'm sure there's others that I haven't thought about. Memphis is another one as well. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Okay. Regarding the matchup tonight, let's, uh, let's wrap with this. Uh, What will win or lose the game in your opinion for one of these teams? Well, I'll tell you, first of all, if Houston is minus five in the <laughs> turnover category, they'll get beat by 28 points. <laughs> that's just my, as, you know, and, and like most teams in the country would. You know, uh, I think Houston's got some banged up players that are going to be game time decisions. And that's going to be big uh, as far as, uh, you know, you got you guys have such a good receiving core. You know, Milne is such a good r- route runner and, 
and uh, you know Romney, who can who can hurt you in a lot of different ways. So they're going to need the the defensive backfield to be healthy. But uh, yeah, it comes down to coming down it comes down to turnovers. What I was really impressed with Houston the other day against Tulane was how physical they were, and that's something that we didn't always see with this U of H team. And uh, they were physical up front because Tulane is a pretty physical team up front. That's really that's kind of the 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 hallmark of their team uh, running game and, and being you know, having big guys up front. You guys, though, are at a different level. We'll see how that plays out. I think, you know, I don't want to get all old school, but, uh, you know, who can control the line of scrimmage is obviously it's going to be a, a big part of it. And, and uh, Houston did a really good job the other day kind of working away from pass rush and things like that, and that's something they're obviously going to have to do again. Kevin, we appreciate the time. Have a great call tonight. And uh, if it approximates anything like 2013, it'll be a classic. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good one. Uh, hopefully, this time, at least for speaking for the guys in red, it, it flips the other way with the score. But hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, Kevin. We appreciate it. That's Kevin uh, Eschenfelder on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how the other voices cougars. Great stuff, from Kevin. We appreciate it. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. I can't believe the Cougars only won by seven points. This is unbelievable. What a pathetic showing. These are the type of things that I was hearing on social media from BYU fans. And that you can find on Cougar Board. Jerem, undoubtedly, the game was closer than everybody expected mm-hmm. and made the guy that bet $240,000 on <laughs> BYU to just win so that he could earn $3,000 sweat for sure. Yeah. But the Cougars still won. I can't believe you did that. That's crazy. And a win's a win. What was the best and worst of BYU's win against UTSA on Saturday? Best is winning. Listen, BYU's 4-0. Amen. Since 2014. Fantastic. We t- <sighs> People, what did I say a few weeks ago? If he was going to play a close game, he didn't expect. It will happen. This was the game. None of us expected this to be close. BYU didn't. I don't even know if UTSA expected it to be. Vegas certainly didn't. 35-point line. Hello. Seven-point game. BYU wins. In 1984, BYU wins in Natty. That was a great team. The best team in BYU history. How many one-score games did they play? Five. Some of those to teams, you'd be like, whoa, whoa, what? Wyoming? Why no, was- Jaron, but those teams were good, right? No. Mm, no. Uh, so winning's awesome. Moving up a spot in the AP poll is good, right? Despite oh, mar- I guess margin didn't matter this week. Margin mattered the first three weeks to establish the identity of BYU because now people are like, did BYU win or not? They're not going to look at the margin as much. They'll just look at the fact that BYU is undefeated. Okay, and then three. Zach Wilson was awesome again. Twenty-two of thirty, two ninety-two. Two touchdowns. A few poor decisions and throwing got away with uh, not having an interception that should have been caught. But uh, he, he was good. He is graded on a steeper curve now due to killing it on the first three tests. Now he got an A-, minus, and we're like, well, it wasn't an A+. plus. It was still an A-. minus, And he was awesome. And he actually set a BYU record in the game, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Remix! Yes, it is. Zach Wilson is the fastest BYU quarterback to 1,000 yards in a season by attempts. 73. Let's go. Think about that. Think about all the quarterbacks that have thrown a million yards here. And your boy, Zacharias F. Wilson, is the leader in fastest to a thou. That is incredible. So he continues to uh, crush it. And my fourth thing, Kalani Sataki, happy 45th birthday. 
he gets a win. How do the close captioners handle a thou? Is it just a thou? T-H-O-U? T-H-O-U? <laughs> We're going to see it a couple times. Thou, 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 thou. We need to combine for a significant present for the closed captioners. Maybe we can borrow some cash from the 240 guy. <laughs> for venturing on this show. Yes, the best part about Saturday was BYU won the game. They won the game. Did, did we forget that? Because it felt like that on social media. This is terrible. Oh, this is the BYU team that we know and love from the recent past. Uh, no, it's not. Because BYU won the game. I believe Cougar Stats put it out. Yes, Cougar Stats. So you you brought up a brilliant point over the offseason because I was like, Power 5! And you said, eh, group of five. got to beat group of five. So 11 and 12 the last three years to non-Power 5 teams. That's just bad. Mm-hmm. And Cougar Stats said, well, within, within that number up to yesterday in one-score games, one score was games. two and eight. So I, now, they're, now they're three and eight. So BYU was losing this game in the past three years. Yes. They were losing this game. BYU lost this game to Northern Illinois. Weird game at home. So bad. Lower scoring than expected. Toledo, UCF. Low energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. There were so many. Yes. So he took that stat next level within – those 12 or 10 losses, whatever, to group of five, non-Power 5 teams. That were one score One score two and eight before Saturday. BYU won the game. That means 11 of the 13 or 14 had been one score, by the way. So if BYU was losing, it was unfortunately close. It was a gut punch, rip your heart out type of game. Yeah, there were a lot of great moments, uh, particularly the Neil Pau catch. That was awesome. He totally redeemed himself after that (laughs) early fumble inside the 10-yard line with really one of the catches of the year. I mean, I'd I'd be shocked if that's not top five by the end of the season. Oh, yeah. I I think that catch is one of the top... I don't know where to put it yet. We're going to do a show at some point. It's right there. With Top the 100 plays yes, in BYU history. Yes. Honestly, like the toe tap in the back of the end zone was unbelievable. Here it is. It's right there with the uh, Glenn Kozlowski toe tap in the national championship yes. game against Michigan. Oh, by the way, this is fourth and goal. Fourth and it's goal. It's not first and goal. It's fourth and goal. Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf on fourth and goal as well. Okay. How about that? So in terms of a moment, that was the best moment for me. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing that happened on Saturday was probably BYU's overall ball security. There were some issues there yes. sure. between the backup center, Joe Tukuafu, and Zach Wilson at one point. We didn't see that the week before with La Tech. This was a worse game in that regard. And yeah. Tyler Algier and Zach Wilson had some handoff problems. And yep. you saw Zach make what I felt like was the first really bad decision of the season. And he was bailed out because the guy trying to intercept the ball had a club hand. <laughs> Seriously, he doesn't catch his like, oh, because he has a cast on. He's him. got a cast on his hand. <laughs> so thank you. That was a met like he looked like Ossie Antonetti 1998, I think, played part of the season with a club on his. He's left handed and he's player. spiking the ball with a club. <laughs> How is that legal? Yeah, it it was it was rough to watch some of those things, yeah. and then BYU missed their first kick of the season because Jake Oldroyd didn't play. Okay, that that was big pregame news was that Jake Oldroyd back spasms uh, couldn't go, so it changed how BYU approached field position. Were they going to kick? Were they going to go for it at this point of the field? Da, da, da. I don't think it's a seven point game if Jake Oldroyd plays. No, I think it's more like a thirteen point game, and then it's a less of a question. But yeah. It was fun. I'm fine with BYU not playing their best in a game. Guess what? It was at home. It was UTSA. 
What if it was on the road at, at Houston, right? So, uh, and then there was this conversation of, and you, you did a lot of questions in the postgame about this with the guys, is, hey, did you drink the poison? Like, what impact did that have on this? Here's Tyler Algier on that question. We just got to work hard to be number one, work hard to be number one. I don't really care for the standings. We just got to worry about us right now collectively as a group. Whether they did or did not, they won the game, and I think now they can give full focus and energy to, oh, maybe we're not as good as we think we are. Yeah, but it cost us some rankings. Oh, wait, it didn't. Oh, wait, it didn't. Um, Go to Houston, play well. I think there's great value in this idea. Think about the mental and emotional and physical investment BYU typically puts into these Power 5 games in the first four. Think about that. They haven't had to do that here. They did it for Navy. That much was clear. I think they did it for Troy and La Tech as well. I, they probably did it for UTSA. Whatever. Going into Houston, they have had this circled, this game circled. They had Navy circled. They had Houston circled. I, if I'm a player, let's be honest, if I'm a player, I'm like, all right, we're going to win that La Tech, Troy, UTSA. I'm looking at Navy. I'm looking at Houston. I'm looking at Boise State. I'm looking at San Diego State. Now, guess what? A little more focus, a little more effort, a little more energy, a little more film study, a little more everything in practice. BYU is going to bring it Friday. I really believe that because they're used to bringing it against, oh, my gosh, all these Power 5 teams at the beginning. And then in the fifth game last year was Toledo, and it's like, oh, finally, a non-Power 5. We can chill a little bit. It cost BYU last year. Now BYU amps it up for Houston in what they know is, hey, if we want to do something special this season, got to win this game. You know what else BYU has? Relatively good health. And we think that BYU will have James Empey back at center. We're hoping that they have Jake Oldroyd. Tristan Hodge at right guard, hopefully. They, they've got their quarterback and feature backs, both healthy going into the game. I have a Knock question. on wood. Yeah. I have a question about Gunnar Romney, though. He took some big hits. Um, it looked like they looked at his either ribs or shoulder. During the game, he came back in, but he is one of the top receivers in the country right now, and I hope he's good because he is a key to BYU uh, beating Houston, uh, his ability to get down the field. Nice game from Dax Milne, by the way. I didn't give any worse. Uh, the only wor- There wasn't anything wor- worse, really, but the only thing was that the game was in the balance at the it end. It was weird. But maybe that was good for BYU to play a close-ish one. It didn't cost BYU in the rank. No, it did not cost him in the rankings. Great teams don't play close games, Spencer. Not true. Uh, love that BYU team in 1996 that played a three-point game against six and five New Mexico yeah. at home in Lavelle <laughs> Stadium, 17 to 14. Alabama gave up 45 points to Ole Miss, or as Bronco Mendenhall used to call him, Ole Miss. Ole, o- Ole No, he'd call Miss. him Old Miss. Like you mean old? <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom is the fabulous head coach of BYU basketball, Mark Pope, who has opened up the doors. He's opened the gates to practice for BYU fans. Coach, why was now, why was 2020 with this weird COVID year the time to open up the doors and let the public watch your team at practice? Well, hey, before we get there, what is going on with Jerem? Jerem took the day off. Look, uh, Jerem needed, needed some me time, so he took the morning off. <laughs> Jer- hey, listen, I'm telling you what. I actually appreciate this because Jerem, first of all, you know in Jerem, he's probably already in hair and makeup for tonight, right? 
<laughs> and he knew he knew that tonight was going to be so epic that he had to bring his his A game. Yes. We actually have uh, we actually have some special guests that are uh, that are zooming in to the broadcast tonight. Ooh. And so I talked to Jerem last night. I'm like, hey, these guys are not only they're some of the biggest heavy hitters in all of the game of basketball. Wow! But they're people I dearly love. So. I, I know he's feeling some pressure about the interviews, man. It's going to be big. Hey, how's that for a tease? <laughs> Very nice. Everybody needs to watch. I'll be watching from an airplane coach on my way to Houston. Cannot wait. Houston, where we are going to go five and zero. I like the I like the confidence. BYU football. I love it. I love it. The well, first time we've been five and zero since two thousand eight. How many times have you guys said that on the show? <laughs> it's been brought up a couple of times. Times, but that just means you're paying attention. So we're happy. We're happy about that. So, and I'm hyped about this. So, understandably, it's a great weekend, great time for BYU football. BYU basketball is back. This is such a new team, so that, for me, personally adds a level of excitement to being able to watch this practice because there was so much turnover. What are fans going to see tonight when they watch this new-look BYU basketball team? Well, they're going to see our guys working really hard uh, and playing really hard. Our guys are really competing. Uh, they're, they're all... Um, chasing this winner's board really hard. Uh, get to see some some of the insides of how we function. I mean, we're not changing anything. We're practicing the way we practice. Um, and so it, it's going to be really fun. And I hope I hope everybody gets a chance to, to know our guys a little bit because some of these guys are new. They're all almost new. And, um, and they're really spectacular young men. And then they're also going to see a bunch of mess, right? Because we have so many new faces first day of official practice the guys already went hard this morning so they're probably going to see a, a bunch of a, a bunch of mess there too which is going to be really fun also who's the one guy that's going to play up the cameras being there who's the Ooh. one guy that's going to do that well listen this rich harward he's not really gonna you're gonna think he's playing up for the cameras but this is how he is every <laughs> single day <laughs> So we had a, you know, we did, um, we had a, you know, we, we're not allowed to have managers in right now because we're trying to keep the group as small as possible. And our managers play a huge function for us. One of the things they do is they take live stats all practice long. And so I just put it on the guys. We're having a king of the glass day today. That was a theme of practice. Rebounding is really important to this team. And so I told the guys, you're keeping your own score. And every time you grab a rebound throughout the whole practice, I want you to call it out. So we start, we're doing a dummy five on O drill and Rich grabs the first rebound. Like there's no rebound. There's no, there's no one else on the floor. And he screams, Whoa! <laughs> and he's left it all practice long. And I'm so grateful for it because that's how he approaches the game. And he's, he's a beautiful human being, man. So you already mentioned you, you had a practice this morning already. We've actually shown some of uh, some of the footage here on the show today. After such a long layoff, what's it like to finally be back in an official capacity? It was awesome, except I'm not going to lie. I got up this morning, and I have a collection of masks that I wear at practice because it's really important. And I don't know if you noticed, but my mask came out of laundry and it was so wrinkled. <laughs> I was like, I'm wearing a wrinkled mask. For I was so embarrassed. I was mortified. I guarantee you that Leanne, if she ever sees the clip, she's going to be like, Mark, you couldn't even iron your mask. What is wrong with you? So aside from that, it was a great morning. Okay. Can we get an ironing board in here? We'll get it taken Look, care of There's plenty of time to get it, me- to get yeah. it ironed before tonight. We'll get, we'll get yes. it taken I mean, care Steve of. Bushman, Steve Bushman 
First of all, is the finest human being you're ever going to meet. And his whole heart pours out into BYU athletics. He's been the equipment manager here for like the last 30 years. And he is a legend on our campus and among all BYU fans. Steve, you couldn't iron my mask for me? Just give <laughs> down one time. Oh, yeah. We need, we need to get on Steve about that. <laughs> Nothing like calling him out on national television. <laughs> Mark, um, I kind of want to dive inside the mentality of why why you wanted to do something like this. Why was it such an emphasis for you to open up practice like this in 2020? Yeah, so uh, the biggest thing is 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 um I'm just I'm excited about this team and I'm excited for our fans. So uh we got to experience Cougar Nation last year in a really fun way and the the bond that we were actually able to form between our players and our team and fans and supporters was so special. Uh, starting with Midnight Madness last year, and then kind of going the whole way through, and and um, so I'm 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 just super eager to kind of build that relationship again. Uh, it's part of what makes college athletics so magic. I'm so anxious for for all of our fans to know these guys. Like Matt Harms only going to be here for seven more months, right? And we got to get to know him because he's an extraordinary human being and a big time player. And I go down the list of all the guys. So that was number one is that we all do this together. And so I want us to feel like we're in it together and know each other. And then the second reason is, um, you know, I, I want our guys to start to feel, even though this summer has been so weird with COVID and obviously the end of last year was so disappointing that I'm, uh, we're trying to do everything we can to kind of, um, you know, reestablish uh, the normal greatness of college basketball. And so, you know, we're going to take a shot at doing this live tonight. I also like the idea of my guys feeling a little bit of pressure. I mean, they're going to be, you know, you know, everyone's going to comment on how they play and how they perform tonight and, and how they fit together. And, and so I'm, I'm eager for that too. And everyone's going to comment mostly, on whether your mask is ironed or not. So mostly I'm just excited to have Jeremy in the gym. Like that's <laughs> really the whole point of this to try and get him to come to practice. <laughs> so as you start, practices now do you begin with a pretty good idea of what your starting five and your rotations look like or do you need the next couple of weeks in order to figure that out normally yes right now no I have no idea I don't know how we're going to play I don't know who we're going to play I don't actually know where we're going to play except I did read a tweet that came out uh, about an MTE that they said BYU is playing in which is pretty exciting so hopefully you're aware of this (laughs) We have a lot of we have a lot of unanswered questions around yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. If you were to play in said MTE in I don't know Connecticut with the likes of uh, USC and UConn and Vanderbilt, what would you think about that? Well, if that were to happen, <laughs> uh, first of all, that would be so incredibly exciting. <laughs> Everybody watching right now is being like, "Wait, are we in the MTE? Or are we not?" <laughs> so it's gonna be fun, man. Like, hang on, Just, you know, buckle up and let's go. When do you expect the, the – we've already seen the conference schedule come out. Do, do you have a pretty good idea when the non-conference schedule should come out? Yeah, so we're getting closer. So, um, you know, every – so you lose the first 15 games. Half the teams in the country lost their MTE. You lose all your non-conference games. Uh, you know, the fir- those – I think we had seven games scheduled in the first 15 days, right? It was a really brutal schedule. So – then you're starting from scratch with everything and you have to get the MTE because it's the only thing that allows you to get to 27 games. If you don't play the MTE, you can only play 25. So that's been a, that's been a Herculean task. Coach Robinson and coach Hardusky kind of lead our scheduling. They do an unbelievable job. So um, we're close right now. 
it's almost like we're just waiting on one contract to actually come in. And then it's a whole domino effect of things that could happen literally in 48 hours. We could be done with our schedule. Wow. Um, but the problem is the team that we're waiting on sounds like they might be involved in maybe potentially changing their NTE, which would change everything. And then it would change everything for us. And so we're just, we're just, you know, we're waiting and coming up with contingency plan after contingency plan. So it's fun. Okay. So from top to bottom, if if you are looking at the schedule, what you think it's going to be, do you feel like it's enough to put your team in position to make a case to get in the NCAA tournament? No doubt. If if it works out the way that we hope it will, we're going to play. Uh, it's going to be a brutal schedule, and and not just because of um, the teams we play, but because of the teams we play on the road and the travel and whatever. And so uh, we're super excited, and hopefully it will pan out that way. If it doesn't, we'll figure out some way to make it good. So we already have a a bunch of great games in the hopper, and we're hoping to finish it out. Coach, so good to talk to you. Cannot has anybody wait. Ever, has anybody ever used the word hopper on BYU Sports Nation before? Hopper? You're in the hopper. In yeah. the hopper. Yeah. You know how you have it in the hopper? That's yeah. a Mark Pope special. What does that mean, actually, now that I said that? I don't know what that there means. are so many things that we say on a daily basis that I have no idea where they originated from. I don't know what they even mean, but yet we say it. Before, though? Oh, Did I've I heard just it. make that up or we heard that? Oh, yeah. In the hopper. Yeah, I've heard in the hopper, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna want to Google that right now. I'm googling it too. In the in the hopper. hopper. <laughs> <laughs> it, okay, yeah, means something is in preparation or is on its way. Um, I'm trying to find the, like the origin, uh, or, of, origin it. of it, and it's not coming up. <laughs> yeah. So just just as a word of explanation, you guys know that I was an English major in college uh-huh. at the University of Kentucky. Uh huh. Okay. Enough said. Here, <laughs> did you get it? Here we go. Oh, I've got it too. A hopper is part of an agricultural or industrial machine that is a sorting device for separating things such as grain from the shaft or gold from other precious gems. So there you go. Organizing it all. It's in the hopper, baby. It's in preparation. Let's go. And it was a popular it. phrase between 1910 and 1970. <laughs> so they're giving you a nice 60-year stretch here. It is aging me. That's awful. <laughs> Coach, can't wait to watch tonight. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, guys. Mark Pope on the Deseret First Credit Union Outline. Deseret First, you know why we should. How great is Mark Pope? (laughs) How lucky is BYU to have Mark Pope right now, honestly? How amazing is technology that we can just, like, Google that and have, like, a backstory on where the phrase in the hopper came from? Hey, this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. So we wanted to play a game where we check our mentions. Yes. Understandably, it's called <laughs> Check My Mentions. Yeah, as Jeremy said, we get hit up on social media all day, every day, 24-7. Twitter's always open. Yeah. This is Twitter only. We won't even get to the Instagram. All right. Jerem? This in from at Mr. Underscore Notham. Breaking. Zach Wilson is a wizard. I love this. So he's got Doctor Strange, Stephen Strange from uh, the Marvel <laughs> Universe, who kind of <laughs> pulls his hands up, right, to, like, cast a spell. And here's Zach Wilson's offhand. Now, I believe this is against La Tech. Throwing the ball. I like that. This is a favorable wow. mention. Well yeah, done, yeah, Mr. Underscore Yeah, this Notham. one's good. We'll get to some ones that are uh, not so good. Okay. Uh, okay, as BYU struggled Saturday, I tweeted the following. BYU will probably drop five spots tomorrow in the polls. Cougar boy. <laughs> At Chi-Town North, 
said, 99.9% of Cougar Board, everyone except me, also said Taysom should quit football and go into finance because Tanner Mango is the next Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> mm. Taysom Hill quite literally could be the next Drew Brees in New Orleans. Or Zach Wilson could be, according to Ooh. CBS Sports. Uh, more Cougar Board fun at Warfasaur. <laughs> tweeted at me. Uh, LOL, what's your Cougar Board username? <laughs> After I tweeted... <laughs> In response to my tweet about watching the polls and paying attention to uh, the opening hymn. Because I said, oh, they moved up to 14. I didn't realize some voter said, oh, I forgot BYU. Let's change it. True story. I thought somebody, uh, I, th- I thought Cougar Board was prohibited in this building because somebody joked about that a few years back. And I was like, oh, really? They blocked Cougar Board on our internet <laughs> BYU broadcasting? It was a joke. But now we don't but have it, usernames. But is it? <laughs> I'm giving them way, them way too much problems. Good grief. Oh, and by the way, my uh, handle is El Jefe. Oh, snap. If you know, you know. At Weiler underscore Tweaks 33. Apparently is blaming the BYU performance against UTSA all on the uniforms. Yep, heard this one. BYU should never wear Navy again. First three games, Royal. This game, Navy. <laughs> sure, it's irrational. That it affects anything, but Royal is the better jersey anyway. Put Navy back in the closet. It's time has passed. I'm interested to see what BYU Equipment tweets out this week. They've been at the forefront of what's happening. It's Royal Pants White Oh, they already tops. put it out? Yes. Oh, so Royal back in. Yes, and they even said Royal the Gifford Nielsen look is coming back as an ode to Gifford, who is a Houston, Houston guy. Yeah, they played for the Oilers, of course, uh... Sports broadcasting for many years there. Yep, white. That's Royal Elder Team, Nielsen. Pants. Elder, show some respect here. I will take my elders. Royal pants to Houston. I will do that. Of course you will. Mm-hmm. No one can change that. <laughs> uh, the engineers in the building the other day said we had a contest to see if we were wondering if Spencer had any uh, jeans. Finally wore some. <laughs> At Cougar Chick, he's playing Twitter ref on Saturday with this post. At Jeremy Jordan, hi. My wish is that the two players on the other team, one face mask on Zach. And one disqualified for targeting get thrown off their team. No room in college football for that type of behavior. Mm. ESPN made a big deal about that. The the dude last name Wisdom, not a smart decision. Use your wisdom. Yeah, two weeks in a row, he missed the first half of this game, and then he missed the first half of the next game. Yeah, he can't leave with helmet. That's dangerous. Well, I, I feel bad that he has to miss more time, but watch what you're tackling. I don't. If you play like that, you need to be out. Watch That's the, what you're tackling. Don't you know? See the, what you hit. Don't you know the rules? Come on. All right. And our favorite yeah. tweet, Jerem. Okay. The, 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 uh, at Kukbaka. I blame this close game on Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton. <laughs> telling all the players how good they are, inflating their egos. Guys, you're not helping this team. You should have been talking like you did against Troy. Questioning the 14-point spread or in this case. To which I responded, oh, our bad. Yep, we were the only ones doing that. <laughs> also, it's the coach's job to do that, not ours. Uh, Kugbaka did apologize. He apologized. He later. Yes. He, yeah. he, he followed that up with, we, uh, hey, sorry for calling you out. Yeah, it clearly didn't affect BYU in the rankings. Yeah. Everything's good. Listen, tweet at us. We love it. We love this stuff. If it's weird, we're going to throw it in here. If it's not, you know, it's all good. The emotions are good. By the way, uh, the GOAT, Cosmo, just tweeted at us. Yeah. Oh, nice. Thank you for the love, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Cosmo! I like that mention. Woo! I like that mention. Let's go. Okay, let's play a little Know the Foe Houston edition. BYU Sports Nation asks, do you know the foe? We never do. Here's Ben Bagley. 
All right, guys, the Acme Security Agency, they deemed in the coin flip during the break that Jerem was going to go first today. So, Jerem, you're, you're up first. Well, Wait. you won the coin toss you elected to receive. That's All right, we'll start here. Sure. Which of the following actors is not an alumnus of the University of Houston? Jim Parsons from the Big Bang Theory. Randy Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Or Tommy Lee Jones? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Tommy Lee Jones. Correct. A famous Harvard alum was on the Harvard Har- football Harvard? team. Harvard? Didn't know the Quaid boys were, <laughs> yeah. were Houston Cougars. Yeah, Cousin Eddie from Houston. Yeah. 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 All right, Jason. Okay. Which musician was not enrolled at one time at the University of Houston? Okay. Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. Do you know who that is? I do not. A.K.A. Lil Wayne. Okay. Oh, nice. Little Wayne. <laughs> no, Lil Wayne. You got to say it right, Jeremy. Come on. Country music icon Kenny Rogers, mm-hmm. ZZ Top founding member Billy Gibbons, okay. or Grammy-nominated singer, artist, Lizzo. <laughs> Good luck. Well, I'm a, I know the, the middle two. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, did you say Lizzo? Lizzo, yes, correct. I'm going to go with Lizzo. Mm, no, no, no. no. It would be ZZ Top founding member Billy Gibbons, who attended art school in L.A. Nice. He seems like a Houston guy. He's from Houston. Yes, that's what I mean. Yes. All right, Jerem. Which member of the Apollo 13 crew originally said the often misquoted words, okay, Houston, we've had a problem here? Was it Tom Hanks? (laughs) Was it Jack Swigert, Bill Armstrong, or Captain James Lovell? It was James Lovell. Why is it? He gets that question? What? What? He wasn't? It was not. It was Jack Swaggart who said What? So in the movie, so Kevin Bacon? it wasn't. It was Kevin Bacon. It was Kevin said. Bacon in the movie. And it, 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 the, the proper words is, okay, Houston, we've had a problem. Yeah, yeah. Tom's I read, like, I, I read a book on the mission. I, I should know this. Yeah, Hanks is like, I'm not giving up that line. <laughs> that one's mine. I am, it's mine if I'm in this movie. <laughs> All right, Jason, last one here. Nate, I'm going to give you the names Clyde Drexler, mm-hmm. Hakeem Olajuwon, and David Rose. Mm-hmm. Name one more member of Fi Slamma Jamma. <laughs> I honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you could have gone with Michael Silent Assassin Young or Ben Bomber from Bernice Anders, among others. So, yeah. So. yeah, among others. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's another foe. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hey, growing up, the younger brother of Fred Warner meant Troy Warner was expected to be something significant, right? Because Fred was so good who's now a starting middle linebacker with 49ers. But in this week's Deep Blue, it explores how Troy is carving out his own legacy. Deep Blue is presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Learning things from hardships is always big. That was one thing that I had to learn for myself, was that if I could take something from this, you know, bad experience, that I could gain something from it and and be a better player or a better person after it was all said and done. Things were hard growing up. There were points where we had to live with our grandma as a family and sleeping all huddled together in the same bed or just little things like that. Our, our mom had it rough, and she worked her tail off to make sure that, that we had everything. So, like, looking back, 
I now see that it was a little harder, but in the moment I'm thinking, oh, we're good. Like we have everything we need. It was never like we felt lesser than anyone. And I think my mom, that's a credit to my mother, just her determination. I think that rubbed off on us and how hard we've been able to work up to this point and get to where we are now. My mom played a huge role in our success, not only what she did for us financially, but seeing her go through so many challenges, trials, and seeing her come out on top uh, has taught me that I can overcome anything. You know, sometimes you got to think about those who have it much worse and think about how much worse things could be in order for you to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Me being, you know, kind of like the, the man of the house at a young age, he had to kind of look up to me and, and follow my footsteps. He was a perfect role model for me in trying to better myself, you know, on and off the field and in school. He made it all easy on me because he's just such a good kid and uh, he works his tail off to, to be the best version of himself. And I think if I didn't have him, I would have struggled way more. And I don't, I don't even know if I would have been, you know, where I am today without, without his help and guidance. You know, I'm forever grateful for that. Turks and press, gonna run it, and runs into trouble. Talsing again to stop. Troy Warner is shaking up for BYU. Younger brother of star linebacker. When you play a sport and you love it so much, you put so much time and effort into it, you know, when you get hurt and then you have to sit out and watch from, from the sideline, it's tough. It was the first real trial that I ever faced. It was the first real injury that I ever faced. The pitch to James. White shirts are there. He's dropped behind the line. Troy Warner makes the tackle. I've always been a guy who's, you know, started and played and, and never really had to sit back and, you know, watch the game that I love. I think just mentally... I, I kind of took a shot, and, and trying to figure out how to regain that confidence was, was one thing that I had to try and learn. Physically, I felt like I needed to just continue to grind, you know, try to get bigger, faster, stronger, and do what I could so that I could get to where I am today. Uh, right now, going to the senior year, what we saw from spring, I saw not the old Troy re return. I saw a new and improved Troy where I forgot about the injuries that he had. I knew that, you know, Great things wouldn't have been achieved without the long, long nights, long days, and, and just the blood, sweat, and tears that were poured into this game. Even the, the trials and, that, I, that I faced, I think those, are, those have all brought me to, to where I am today and to the player that I am as well. He's just been a, an amazing young man to have, and to be, for me to be able to see him go from year one to now year five as a redshirt senior has been so cool. I, can't put it into words how awesome it's been and I, I'm, I'm cheering for so much success for that young man he's going to do so many great things and just so proud of him so far and I know he'll do great things ahead of, ahead of this time I mean honestly like if I could say anything to Troy I mean it's just that I'm just so proud of him and I don't know if I say it enough I think him being the younger brother he's always been put in this you know in the shadow of what I've been able to accomplish and People aren't always willing to give him the credit he deserves. He talks about I'm his idol or stuff like that, but I mean, he's my idol. And, um, you know, there's there's reasons for why we both play football and do what we do in life. And, you know, I do it for him and for the rest of my family. I do love him with my whole heart. You know, that's that's my guy. And it'll be that way all the way until, until we leave this earth and, and so on. But, yeah, I'm proud of him.
Deep Blue on Troy Warner. Pretty cool to hear from Fred in that relationship. And Troy has started to play even better now that he's healthy. He had zero picks in 37 career games before the last two, where he has a pick in back-to-back games. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's good to see him have success. You know that the talent was there, and now he's getting the opportunity, and it's all kind of coming together at the right time. Absolutely. He's healthy, and he's doing well. Best of luck to Troy the rest of the season. Look, it's great to have him in the second year. Absolutely. Time for Prop Picks, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Jason up 15 to my 14 to Spencer's 12. Spencer in Houston, number one. Go fast, go hard, a dish. More rushing touchdown, Zach Wilson, or the BYU running backs combined. Oh, I'm going to take the field of running backs for sure. Who you got? I got the running backs as well. So does Jason, number two. Will either team have a double-digit lead at some point in the game? Yes, this is easy to me. I think I'm two for two thus far. Yes and yes, we all agree. Number three, who will be the first to 100 on Friday? Katoa, Algier, Romney, Milne, or Houston receiver Marquez Stevens? I'm going to take a risk here. I think it's going to be Tyler Algier running the ball first to 100, Jerem. I go Stevenson, and Jason says Romney. Number four, more or less 62 points scored combined. That's the over-under. More. I would be shocked if this game is not high scoring and a little bit of a shootout. I think it'll get messy less. Jason agrees with me. And last but not least, over under two spots, BYU will move up or down in the AP poll on Sunday. Under. There just aren't that many opportunities for teams above BYU to lose, and I don't think BYU is going to lose, so under. I say under as well. Jason says over. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports retweeted the results of a D1 survey given to all collegiate programs. Now, the results stated that 61% of P5 schools were in favor of breaking away from the NCAA and forming their own governing body and division. Now, we've always talked about BYU being involved in the next big expansion of conferences in the NCAA. Spencer, is... Succession, not expansion, BYU's best bet to join the Power 5 ranks. Jason, the best bet for BYU to join a Power 5 something is just absolute and utter chaos. Give me the chaos theory, Jason, whether it's the Power 5 breaking away from the group of five, it's poaching from one Power 5 conference to another. The more change, the more chaos, the better for BYU. Give me the chaos theory. And I quote from the chaos theory, Within the apparent randomness of chaotic, complex systems, and college football is very complex, there are underlying patterns, interconnectedness, constant feedback loops, repetition, self-similarity, fractals, and self-organization. I have no idea what that means, (laughs) but I hope that BYU, within their own chaos theory, can find themselves in a Power 5 conference at the end of it. It's it's coming, Jason. It's, It's going to happen. We just don't know when. If it's 2022, right. 2023, TV contracts, Power 5 separates from Group of 5, all of the above. That madness, that chaos is coming, and that's BYU's best bet. Based off of how well things have gone for BYU in the previous expansions, uh, yeah, maybe this is the best opportunity. Look, and, and the other part about it is maybe it's because this option hasn't shunned BYU yet that it looks like the prime opportunity. You know, it's the, the other has shunned BYU a couple of times. This one hasn't, so there's this optimism. Oh, well, maybe this is the way BYU gets into it. And, and we don't know any 
any specifics on, first of all, this is just not saying this is happening. This is just they were in favor of it, and it may not ever happen. But without knowing how it would even look, if you're going to take away conference affiliations and just go with the best X number of teams in college football to be a part of this succession, then I don't see how BYU isn't included. If you have to be a current P5 to even be included in it, Rough. then we're right back to square one. Yes. So look, I, I don't know, but since this option hasn't uh, you know, said no to BYU, I'm going to say, yeah, it's the best option right now. It really depends on who you ask. It's all objective, or sorry, subjective. Are they going to take 65 schools, which would be the four power conferences plus Notre Dame, or right. 66 schools? which is the four power conferences plus Notre Dame plus BYU. And do they look at this as an opportunity for relegation for some of the teams that don't, that don't belong in it? Hey, maybe, maybe. And maybe they bring up other teams that are constantly succeeding at a high level in the group of five, the Boise States, the UCFs. Like you can't tell me if they were to take just the best number of, of teams, the BYU, Boise State, other, you know, UCF, UCF, Cincinnati, however, that they're not involved in this. I can't imagine they say no to that if you're looking for the best teams in college football. Can I be a lobbyist for BYU for if that ever happens? Where Do it's it. like, make your case. Like, I want to be a lobbyist. Let me, let me go in front and plead the case. I'll play lawyer in that debate. I think there are a lot of people that would be willing to make their case. <laughs> Dude, I'll show up in my 1984 Nike t-shirt. Let's go, man. Let's go. Life's good right now. BYU's 4-0, ranked 14th in the AP poll. Enjoy it, baby. Let's keep it going. BYU leaves today to play at Houston tomorrow night. This will be BYU's biggest challenge of the season. I think we all agree on that one so far. So, Jason, which side of the ball has more pressure on it at Houston, the offense or the defense? I went back and forth on this one. This one was not necessarily an easy one for me to come up with because I can make a case for both sides, and I think you're probably right either way. I think the easy answer would be to say that the pressure is on the defense, not to allow Houston to go off offensively like we saw they are more than capable of doing. 49 points after falling behind by 17. So, I mean, it was, it was a pretty legitimate 49 points. I mean, it, they, it just kept coming fast and furious. So I think it's easy to go that direction, especially when you look at the size and speed of Houston. But ultimately, I'm going to go with the offense. I think the, the pressure is on the offense more to score. Whether it's a close game, whether it's a blowout, I think the offense has set a, a, a level of execution and, honestly, an expectation of what they're capable of. And I think, especially in a game like this, where I think it's even more important to find the end zone at a high clip, because as good as BYU's defense is, I do think Houston is good enough to score points. For that reason, I think the pressure's on BYU's offense to continue to score. J- you got Just keep scoring. Like Regardless of what the defense does, we're going to need to keep scoring. So I- I'm going to say it's on the offense right now. Yeah, it feels like... Like, this could be a shootout. Yeah. It feels like 2013 could happen again, which was 47-46, just back and forth, crazy, limited defense. You get, I mean, I, I guess, uh, coincidentally enough, a uh, pick ended the game for BYU right. in that. But, yeah, I can see an argument for both. Let, let's make the argument for both. So, let's start with defense. Uh, Houston put up 49 points despite giving it away five times. I mean, that, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Did, I haven't looked it up. Do they score in every other possession besides that? That's, Just about. That's wild. BYU's defense does need to be stout because I think this is the best offense BYU will have faced. Maybe the best offense they face all year. Let's see what Boise State brings. 
But other than that, it's like, is this the best offense BYU will play this year? I don't know. Um, and, and BYU is fourth in points and yards allowed, tenth in yards per play. So BYU's defense has been awesome. We have not talked about the defense probably enough. The offense is the story here. It's BYU. It's passing. It's Zach Wilson. It's points. It's quarterbacks, right? That's what we do here. That's the brand. But what has BYU's real brand been since kind of 05 to now? It's been getting defensive players into the NFL for the most part. Taysom Hill and Jawal Williams have have, uh, resurrected the offense of good players, but here we go with BYU on defense. But if the offense can control the line of scrimmage, and I think that's where BYU's biggest advantage is in this game, is that BYU's O-line I think is better than the front seven of Houston. Granted, they have... Uh, good size and good speed compared to BYU's previous three opponents. BYU could have a good day. I wonder if it's going to be harder to be as explosive. The secondary for Houston had three Power 5 transfers sit yes. out last year. Yep. They're playing now. Tulane scored 31 points, but if you look closely, it was only 17 on offense. It was 14 on defense, which is pretty wild. And you could say for Houston offense, it was 42 on offense. They had a special teams touchdown on a kickoff return for Marquez Stevenson. So, listen, 42 is 42. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm i not exactly sure who's going to do it, but I think it will be easier for the offense to dictate what's going on. But the defense could put BYU in position to have the ball to control the game a little bit more. Let's be honest. BYU's going to have to bring it like they had, uh, unlike previous weeks. This isn't the previous opponents. That, I think this is a bigger challenge, a bigger game. And if BYU wins this, the conversation continues of, hey, BYU could run the table. I remember being on, and I, and I think it was when I was with you as, as co-host, um, and I had mentioned that I'm just not worried about Houston. Like I'm not buying their leap that a lot of people thought from last year to this year. That was, I think, a day before that game against Tulane. And I came away saying, okay, I probably underestimated them. I think we all did. Yeah. Because they were 4-8 and last year. Yeah. We didn't know what they'd bring. We didn't know. Clayton Toon looked pretty good. Right. Well, Stevenson was awesome. He had like 200 all-purpose yards in the game. And you mentioned those three power five members of the the defense that had to set out last year. The secondary specifically. Yes, the secondary specifically. So they are now there. But then you look at not just – this is the first team BYU will face that will look like them physically. Like it's, you're not going to have the significant size advantage like you've had in the others. So not only is, is the size and speed there for Houston, but this is a team that brings back so much. 15 returning starters. That's seven on each side and then a special teams player. So it's not only do you have size and speed, but you have players who have been in this system and have, and have been together. And that, that, that's something that BYU has not faced to this point. There's an anxiety level with this game that BYU hasn't had going into any of the others except for Navy. That first game, we all kind of had it. But since then, there's not been that same level of anxiety. Now there's a chance BYU loses. There, there, it hasn't felt like there was a real chance that BYU would lose the last three weeks. If BYU doesn't, pl- yes, chance. BYU has to play well in this game to win. And, and I think they are going to have that emotional, physical energy and effort that they typically put into these big P5 games. They've circled this one. This is one of the three toughest games on the schedule, no doubt. I still think BYU is the better team. They're favored. I still expect them to go in and win. But I'm not expecting a, a blowout like we've seen in the, in the first Hoping four games. Hoping for a one-plus win. There we go. Hey. That's one all. That's all. It's all it takes. It's the new seventeen. It's all it takes. One plus. <laughs> the new seventeen. Plus.
We were talking about it. You were obviously a part of it last night, you and Anson Winder, hosting the coverage of uh, the BYU basketball all-access practice last night on the BYU TV app. Uh, First of all, it was awesome to be able to have that type of access. You just don't get that type of stuff these days anymore because everybody's pulling access away. So there was a lot to see. You got an opportunity to see these teams, these players interact with each other in a practice setting. What What were your overall takeaways from the scrimmage last night? Yeah, first off, the access was fun. It yeah. was very fun to hear Mark Pope the whole time. We heard the assistants. It was great to chat with Rick Pitino and Danny Ainge on the show. That was really fun. Those were both lined up by Mark himself, by the way. He's like, here, Mark I makes made a phone sure call. Yeah. Yeah, they could uh, be on this. Mike up was great. The access was great. Uh, in terms of the, the product on the floor, BYU has shooters and size. There were a lot of threes going down last night. Uh, Caleb Lohner, by the way, said, hey, just FYI, I'm 230. I'm, I'm not 215. So he's even bigger than I thought, which is awesome. Yes, Matt Harms and Richard Harward and Gavin Baxter and Colby Lee and, and Wyatt Lowell's not a post player, but a 6'10 guy on the outside. I mean, BYU has six dudes that are 6'8 and up that can start at the beginning of the season, in theory. I guess Wyatt Lowell in later November. Uh, but you look at uh, last year, BYU had two to start the season that were 6'8 and above. I mean, it was, it was a struggle. And then the shooting. I, I thought BYU was, uh, it was fun to watch. The pop rule, you got to make a decision in 0.5 seconds or, left, or less. Just make a decision. The energy was good. The juice was awesome. It was very enjoyable. I'm excited to see how this comes together. There's still six weeks before the season starts. They've got a minute. They're getting to know each other, as Mark Pope said. Uh, the very first thing that was evident to me last night was just how much Matt Harms reminded me of Andre Kirilenko. The haircut? Maybe it's the haircut, but that was the very first thing I thought of (laughs) was former jazz man Andre Karolinko. He's going to really love that. Well, hey, look, Andre Karolinko made a a lot of money in the NBA. I think there's probably worse things you could be compared to. The other thing. Among other storylines. The other thing (laughs) that stood out to me was the same thing that stood out to you, and it's the size. And there was, we've we've known this, because you can look at the roster and you can see the heights of everybody, and you know the team is bigger. But it was a noticeable difference to see this group on the floor and just to see how different the team looked. And you mentioned guys like Harms and Harward, Lowell, Lee, Baxter. This team just looks bigger. It is a completely different look than any other BYU team I remember that, that they can put out on the floor. And, and not only did the height of the team stand out, but the players I mentioned have the size and the skill. You know, these guys aren't just guys that are going to have to play within five feet of the basket. We know the game is changing. And now it doesn't matter if you're a guard or a center, you're expected to be able to play from the perimeter. And you have and, to defend and, the and pick and roll up. There. Defend the pick and roll and ball handling. You know, you're expected to essentially be a guard as a center these days. And I just, not only did I see the height, but I saw the skill out of all of these players. The other thing that I thought was really cool, and you would certainly expect this, but whether it was the guys who are, are now in year two with Coach Pope at BYU and the staff, or just the guys who were maybe with him at UVU previously, it was obvious that the players know what's expected of them. Mm. They've been in the system. They know what to expect. They know what these coaches want out of them. So I think the expectations have been set and the players know. Those are a couple things that stood out to me. I was really impressed with what I saw. With the height, uh, Gideon George, who's 6'6", six, six, uh, raw athleticism, yep. going to be awesome. He blocked a couple shots, deflected a couple balls. It was great. Caleb Lohner throwing it down hard. That was fun. The hair looks amazing. Uh, Gideon George sat, uh, was standing next to Matt Harms. Gideon George is not short, as I mentioned. He looks small. <laughs> well, Harms is just, he's 
He's, just, all, he's, he's all just, of seven three. Yeah, he's a massive human being. And then Chris Burgess mentioned uh, when we were talking during a drill with him, he said sometimes we'll throw three at the offensive glass. I mean, BYU's going to get a lot of second chance points, offensive rebounds, and uh, that's going to be very different than last year. Yet, I think they have some good shooters still. I'm not sure it's going to lead the country. That's going to be the goal again. But uh, BYU does have some ballers on the outside. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. I went one-on-one with defensive lineman Bracken L. Bakri recently on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline and began a very entertaining conversation, to no one's surprise, with Bracken asking the question of the season thus far, really. That is, how is the team preparing for Houston while dealing with this influx of national hype? As you guys, as you know, we've played a lot of teams that are ranked, and we've beaten a lot of teams that are ranked, highly ranked. And going into those games, we're always saying, man, these guys ain't nothing. Rankings don't mean anything. You know, we play some of these teams we're like, who have they played? They, this is garbage. There's bad ranking, you know, and then we go and we beat them. So I, I, personally, if you're asking me personally, no, I, don't, I don't think it's a distraction because it's so, sometimes those, those numbers can be inflated when we play other teams. So why should we, why should we, you know, we should, we should look past them. So now you're the team that is ranked and the UTSAs of the world and the Houston's and Western Kentucky's and Texas States are now looking at BYU as, Oh, look who they've played. We can handle those guys. You know, you're going to get everyone's best shot. How do you prepare for that mentally? Um, yeah, I think uh, they're actually, there's, I don't think there's that big of a difference going in when we were walking into Wisconsin and when we're walking into Houston. Um, From the outside perspective, you're like, oh, now these guys are the underdogs and they're the overdogs or they're the overdog and they're the underdog. Uh, With this team and with with these guys, and I can speak especially for the defensive line, um, we walk into into each game with the same mindset and the same mentality. We're always the overdog no matter what the outside people say. We're really – I mean, we're we're a bad group of guys, so – yeah, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but hey, you you play with the favorite mentality. I I like that. Um, at Houston this Friday, and you'll be playing in front of fans for the first time this season. Twenty five percent capacity in a brand new stadium, so ten thousand ish fans. I imagine a few BYU fans are going to sneak in there. What are you anticipating with the crowd on Friday night? Yeah, it's going to be great. I think I think the whole team's excited for it. I think it's going to be a really good, great thing. I served my mission in Dallas. Uh, a lot of these guys served in Houston, so we've we've been down there. We've lived we've lived down there. We got a lot of friends there. I think I think people's families that can go are going to want to go because they haven't been able to. So you're going to see a lot of blue. Hopefully, uh, I think I think you'll be surprised. But it's going to be it's going to be a great time. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing like here in the crowd, and it's going to be a really good addition. I think too to our to our victory BYU has seemed to thrive in road environments um when the crowd is especially hostile why is that um you know I I don't know it could be a culture thing but uh I mean if you look at you look at where some of these guys have come from uh and you look at some of the guys on the team uh and and we kind of we kind of like we kind of crave that like uh that mentality of like we'll prove you wrong and we'll, we'll overcome 
of, I mean, if you look at the story of the church, that's been the whole story, right? Just overcome the next obstacle, the next army, the next whatever they send at us. Um, yeah, I think we play really well because it's exciting. Some some people, um, when they come to a they come to something that's like hard in their life, there's the same uh, like anticipation and like being nervous is the exact same feeling as being excited. Like your body feels it the exact same way. It's just about how your mind interprets it. It's like if your mind interprets it one way, then you're excited, and if it interprets it the other way, then you're nervous. But it's the same feeling. And and these players on this team, and you you know that you see us, you see us play all the time. We we choose the other way. We're always excited to have a have a challenge. The bigger, the better. The 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 meaner, the uglier, whatever. We we enjoy that. Sports psychology one hundred and one with Bracken Al Bakri <laughs> on BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, man, let's keep this thing rolling. Um, Houston has a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism. They turned the ball over five times and still scored forty nine points yes. in their season opening win against Tulane. Yes, what concerns you most about the Cougars in red on Friday night? Are they, is that their, their models their, or their mascots, the Cougar as well? They're, they're the Cougars. They just wear red. You're kidding me. I didn't, I actually did not know that. Um, man, in Little League, we used to like really care about the mascots. You remember that? It was like, <laughs> like it really mattered who they're, ma- it's like, come on, Tigers eat horses. We should win this game. Like it should, it shouldn't matter. But I just remember in Little League, it was like the most important thing. I go, these guys are Vikings. I mean, that's Vikings pretty good. I don't know if a tiger can beat a Viking. Um, going back to your question, uh, what was your question? Sorry. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That was an amazing answer. Uh, for, for one, the Cougars versus Cougars is an intriguing aspect, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, so they scored 49 points. Right. Okay, what, I'm back. I'm back. What, what, can, what concerns you most about their explosive offense? Yeah, they're, they're a really good offense. I mean, they scored every time they had the ball that they didn't give it, a, give it away, you know? Which is which is the telltale sign of a really good offense. Um, I think we're we're preparing for a lot of things. We're preparing to to be ready for anything that they can throw at us. Um, you, when you're playing a team, you gotta you gotta recognize what they want to do, but then you also gotta recognize what they've what they've seen done to you and what they're gonna try to do. So we're also taking that into account as a defense. Um, we need to make sure we keep their quarterback bottled up. We don't want him running around. If you if you watch the game, you saw that you know their their offense was put in positions where they were third and long. And and this guy who doesn't look maybe doesn't look like, you know, uh, one of the faster quarterbacks. He and he ran for for a lot of yards. So I think we I think personally as a defensive lineman and as a defense, that's one of the things we need to focus on is is making sure that we have a good quarterback trap. We keep him in there, um, and that we're ready for him to, to to scramble under pressure. No question. When you get pressure with those three and four man fronts, it makes everything better for the defense. That said, you're going to have to do it without one of your boys, Lorenzo Fawate, who unfortunately is going to sit out the rest of the season. How do you make amends for losing a big piece like that? Yeah. Um, first of all, with, with Lorenzo, it's emotional for the defensive line. We, we really love him. He's, he's a big part of our defensive line. Um, and you guys know that. He's in, in high-pressure situations and, and really important situations. We want him in the game. He's, he's a good football player. So that it hurts us emotionally. First of all, um, we're going to have to make up for it. We're going to have to to take some of the chances that Zoe would have taken um, and and try to make those plays. But uh, we're we're going to come back. A, a defensive line isn't one person. It's it's not just Zoe. It's not just Kyrus. It's not just me or Batty or anybody else. We're a unit. Um, but yeah, it's it's sad to see him go. I hope to see him back before the end of the season. I I think you'll be surprised. I hope you'll be surprised. Um, he's a good football player and. 
and it does it does hurt us, but we'll 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 overcome. Why do you feel like BYU is going to show up and play a better overall game against Houston compared to what happened against UTSA last Saturday? Yeah, I mean it's easy it's easy to look at the the score of the game and and feel like uh, and feel like it was tight and that we didn't play well. Um, but I, I just don't think that's the case. I mean, we had a couple of a couple of botched plays. If you if you take those out, um, and they were mistakes. I'm not saying they weren't mistakes. Um, but if you take those out, it's it's a sick. It, they scored six points, you know. So and nothing against UTSA. They they played their hearts out. I'm not I'm not trying to say that, but um, we clean up we clean up three or four mistakes, and and that game's exactly what you guys all expected it to be. So I definitely wouldn't be like, oh, the last week was was really tight, and what's going to happen now? Are you guys going to play a better game? We played a great football game. You watch the tape; everybody graded out really well. We had a couple of mistakes, and 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 they started up front when we were jumping off sides, first and foremost. And we'll and we'll get that right, and we'll be more disciplined. Bracken Elbakri with us on BYU Sports Nation. Bracken, when you take the field at Houston on Friday night, and you're wearing the royal pants and white tops and helmets with gray face masks, I mean, this is a throwback to the '70s. How do you expect it to feel? Because a lot of guys say, "Look good, feel good." play good are you in that category I mean anyone that's seen me on campus knows that I'm not in that category <laughs> anybody that's seen the way I dress up for the games knows that I'm not in that category my wife was always like why do you wear that stuff like everybody looks cool why don't you look cool like everybody puts the armbands on and and, and where's the cutoffs so their arms are pumping I don't know if you've ever you probably don't notice but I always wear the long sleeve tees I wear the long tights I wear the big knee pads and thigh pads you know I rarely do my hair we don't I hope my mom doesn't see that I do I mean I do do my hair it is cut but no I'm 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 not in that category but for the guys that are I hope we play well because of it fair enough I love that response and uh before you go just so you know the mascots upcoming are the Texas State Bobcats after you face <laughs> the Houston Cougars and the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers so prepare oh yourself for that one hey, Hilltoppers Wow. Well, okay. Would you, I don't even know. Is that a person? Is it a house? What are they like a, like a homestead? Like they're on the top of the hill. I'm going to have to do some, re I'm going to have to do some research on that. one before I You'll can have to really answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Bracken, great to talk to you, man. Best of luck in Houston. Take some BYU sports nation karma extended to your uh, defensive brethren. And we'll see you in uh, Houston on Friday. Thank you. Brackenell Bakery, one of a kind for sure. On the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, Deseret First, you know why we show how. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, is BYU junior linebacker Chaz Ayu. Great to have you with us, Chaz. Uh, you've been through a lot lately. Uh, I want to ask you about, first and foremost, the surgery. We saw you in a picture of a wheelchair. Your dad's pushing you around. you got casts on. What's going through your mind in that moment, man? Man, it's, it's been rough, but it's been a, bit, a big learning experience. Um, you know, you get a different, a different perspective when you lose both your feet. So, you know, it's been good uh, just hanging in there, just trying to get my body to rest up and heal as best as I can. So were you playing with an injury already and then something happened? Like, what happened? And you have, you have injuries on both feet? Yeah, so uh, this has actually been 
uh, long lasting injury. Um, I've been, I've had it since high school actually. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've just been rolling my ankles. I roll them like every week, man, just consistently. So, you know, we wanted to get that, uh, that healed up. Uh, I guess Navy, I had, I had a compression fracture in my spine, um, on that fourth down tackle. And so, uh, since that was done, you know, I had a, I was going to have to sit out for a long time anyway. So we figured that we might as well just kill two birds with one stone and get my ankles done. So wow. that's pretty much what the whole story is. Wow. Chaz, you're rolling your ankles every game. And I'm thinking about the plays you made against Navy. What can we expect when you're healthy? Because you played at such a high level against Navy. Man, you know, that's what I'm excited to see too. You know, I feel like I haven't been able to play at hundred percent since high school. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how this affects my body and, you know, how I'm able to move on the field. You said compression pressure on your spine. What, what is that? Uh, compression fracture. Fracture. Um, it's basically where I, I pretty much just squished one of the bones down in my spine. And so it's a, uh, yeah, I, I lost the, like a half an inch on my height. So <laughs> hopefully that doesn't knock me too much, but it, it was a, it was a pretty, uh, pretty big little, little compression fracture that I had. So you lost a half of an inch. How do you, rec- how do you recover? Something like that. That rings. Yeah, had, had, does that um, just naturally heal? Do you rehab your spine? How do you, what do you do? Yeah, so it's, a, it's an injury that you really can't heal. It kind of just, over time, the bone will kind of grow back. But as far as going back to my normal height and all that stuff, it's not really going to happen. So Wow. Okay, walk us through the timeline recovery of all of this. When, when do you expect to be fully healthy again? Um, so with my back, they were expecting me to be about eight weeks out. And so... And that wasn't guaranteed come back. I'd have to get more x-rays and stuff to see if I could even play after that. Um, and so with the surgery that I got um, because of that, it's going to be about a six-month recovery um, until I'm, it's all said and done. So it's a little lengthy one, but it's doable. BYU's got seven Power 5 teams on the schedule next year, Chaz. So they're going to need you healthy. This is a good thing, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I was trying to weigh out the negative and the positives, and next season just, just made sense. So, Man. Was it hard to make that decision to uh, to call it, or physically was it just you got to do it? Yeah, it was actually really hard for me. You know, I want to play football. It was a long off season for me, coming off my shoulder surgery already. Um, you know, so I was pretty antsy to be playing football again, and so it, it was a pretty hard decision. I told the doctors if my back is broken, I'm playing, but uh, you know, obviously that's not my my call. So, so we uh, we called it a season and just decided to heal my body up. Wow. BYU junior linebacker Chaz Ayu with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, a week or so ago, Chaz, a story on you came out in the BYU Sports Illustrated column talking about your battle and struggle with mental health and, and how you have attacked that. Why was now the right time to go public with this and, and reveal such personal, sometimes people consider to be uh, embarrassing things? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely have those feelings towards it. Um, you know, but I felt like right now, you know, with what the, the country is looking like, what the world is going through, you know, I knew that, you know, there's a lot of people struggling with it. And, um, you know, I just people that I got in contact with and educating myself about mental health. Um, it's pretty alarming once you start to learn some of the facts about it. And so, you know, I felt that I needed to do something about that. Um, and I was pushed by um, this lady, Miss Fonda Bryant, and she's kind of helped me push myself to open up about this. Um, and, you know, she's a huge mental health advocate. And she said that there's lots of people that are, are struggling with it. And so I felt like I could be a voice for those people. Jez, what did you go through? 
Um, you know, I went through a lot of up and downs. Um, I think the biggest thing when I started getting educated on it was just learning about, you know, what the roots are of it, you know, where it comes from, um, what it really means to have mental health uh, issues. And um, once I learned that, you know, I learned that it was actually very serious and it's a disease that, you know, if you, if you don't take serious, like I did where, you know, I called it weakness and just threw it to the side and, you know, didn't want to acknowledge it at all. You know, you, it kind of starts to, to plug your mind and, you know, some people are strong enough to, work their way out of it um, on their own and find ways to work out of it. But, you know, for me, I needed a little extra push, a little extra help. And so, you know, that's pretty much what I want to tell other kids and other people um, as well as adults and people going through it, is that it's okay to ask for help. And that's really my biggest thing. In the article, you talked about uh, depression and anxiety and uh, even suicidal thoughts. So uh, how did you cope with that? And, and how did you realize, Hey, I've, I've got to get some help here. Yeah. You know, the thoughts that come with it, like the suicidal thoughts and everything that come with it come from, you know, different experiences um, as well as stuff that could be uh, passed on from, you know, my birth mom and birth dad, stuff like that as well for other people. And so, you know, those suicidal thoughts that came were just, you know, really just feeling like things are going to stick with you for the rest of your life. Um, Obviously with my false arrest and, you know, the mission and everything living in in Utah where the culture of that, um, you know, kind of has a bad bad stigma to it um, on both ends, you know, it was kind of hard for me to get over those things. And, you know, um, you know, suicidal for me was, it was something that was very serious, but, you know, I, I'm glad that I was able to find a way out. And that was by asking for help um, from people who have experienced this already. A goal to that saying you doing this is quite the beacon of hope for a lot of people. And, there's, there's no easy way to do it, but you did it. And so you should be commended for something like that. What are you doing now to try and continually beat this? How, how can others join with you? And if they're struggling in these instances, find strength. What, what do they need to do? Um, you know, like I said, the first thing is just ask for help. You know, there's people that understand and it can take four or five therapists that you need to meet with before you find the one that fits you right. Um, but that was the the biggest thing for me right there was just having someone that you know, has that experience and can work me through it and educate me on it. And then, you know, second of all, the, I, it's really the little things that I do that have helped me get through it. You know, um, you know, I've been able to keep myself healthy, try to do things that, you know, are able to distract me and get me out of those bad times, those bad mindsets that I get into. So really it's just learning how to cope with it and, you know, handle it in a healthy way rather than, you know, resorting to unhealthy um, resources. How are you doing now? Man, I'm doing good. You know, I've made huge strides um, in my time since I've been able to learn about it. Um, you know, it's, a, it's something that doesn't just go away over, overnight or anything like that. So, you know, it's something that everyone has to work through that is dealing with it. Uh, you know, and it takes a process, you know, just like taking the time to heal my ankles and my back. It's the same thing with, um, with me mentally. Chaz, I've spoken with people that talk about compartmentalizing these types of thoughts and say that it... You know, you have trigger times compared to when you're focused or engaging on something. So when you're in football mode, did you ever find these things creeping in or, or were you able to compartmentalize that? Um, you know, after a while, once I really didn't take care of my health, it started to creep in and affect, affect me in football. Um, and that was, that was really the hardest thing is to, you know, keep yourself mentally on edge in football as well as off the field. And so, you know, I, but I've been able to, to learn and I, I'm able to, you know, kind of distribute those things to where I'm able to take care of my mental health off the field as well as stay focused and stay, um, you know, 
focused on in football and things I need to do there. Helensky's Hope Foundation is a group that is focused on, obviously, Tyler Helensky, who committed suicide, a quarterback up at Washington State, and, and mental health around athletes and that discussion. And you're wearing a beanie, and BYU's been wearing a sticker the last couple of weeks. It's been very awesome to see that connection. What, it, what is the message that they have and that BYU football is having right now regarding mental health? You know, our biggest thing right now is just we want to break the stigma that comes with mental health. Um, one around men uh, in particular, as well as athletes. And, you know, athletes of all groups, you know, women's and men's, doesn't matter what sport it is, you know, it's there. Um, they're competing to be the best in, in their sport. And, you know, sometimes people fall short and stuff like that. And, you know, especially if you have um, like a chemical imbalance with, with your brain where you have that depression or anxiety from, you know, sources that aren't affected by external things. You know, it can be really hard when those external things start to go south. And so it, it can be really hard to uh, to push through that. And so our message is just to everyone is really just, you know, find help in that, you know, there's no one that is safe from it. You know, it, it can happen to anybody. Chaz, what kind of response have you received from your team, those close to you, and for that matter, from people across the nation since your message has gone out? You know, I've been received really well. You know, I've gotten a lot of positive things. Um you know, I've gotten letters and, and texts, people reaching out saying that they've struggled with that their whole lives. You know, former athletes, athletes uh, in the NFL, um, ex-NFL athletes, you know, so it's been really good to see, um, you know, that, you know, I'm not the first athlete to deal with this. So I'm definitely not the last. Um, and, you know, there's names that are bigger than me. Um, just the BYU linebacker down here, there's dudes that are known across the country, um, you know, that are dealing with it. And they've reached out to me and, and have, you know, have shown me a good things Chaz, we'd be naive to think that hey you're the only one on the team with mental health like there are so many people that have this right so what's the next step to continue to open this dialogue up and hope that we can break the stigma of this being a weakness but rather a thing that listen a lot of people and frankly maybe almost everyone right needs to a degree yeah um you know my thing is that you know people just need to be more comfortable in accepting and acknowledging that they have um, those issues. Uh, that was the biggest thing for me was I was in denial for a very long time. And that's what really drove me over the edge was just denying that I had it. And, you know, when you deny that you have the mental health, you automatically credit it to mental weakness or you're soft or you're not trying hard enough. And so that's the biggest thing is just to acknowledge it. And I feel like if athletes can just acknowledge it, that, you know, it'd make them a lot healthier. So if someone feels like they have something they need to talk about, what, what do you recommend them doing? Um, you know, the first thing that you need to do is tell someone that you, you trust, you know, someone that you can go to and you know they won't judge you. So, you know, I mean, that goes on both ends. You know, people need to be open and vulnerable to people so that they know that they can trust them. And, you know, once you know that, once you find someone that you can trust and open up to, it changes the whole game because you can go to them every day and you can tell them like how you really feel and you know they're not going to think that you're just doing it for attention or you're being dramatic or anything like that. And, you know, they'll acknowledge it for what it really is. There's real power in finding that safe zone and that safe environment. I know that your parents have been that and more for you. Um, how has your relationship with your dad, who is on the football staff, changed as you've gone through this? You know, it's, it's really improved. You know, me and my dad have already been really close. You know, we've done everything together since I was young. And so I think for him to, for me to open up to him about my, my struggles, you know, man to man, 
it was something that was very eye-opening for him. And so, you know, for him to accept me and not judge me on that or, you know, continue to call me weak or anything like that, um, that I was already calling myself, that really helped me and improved our relationship. Chaz, we appreciate what you're doing for uh, athletes across the country, really across the world, as you battle to uh, break that stigma. And once again, we commend you for having the courage to go out and and be public with this. And and we wish you a speedy recovery uh, with all the physical injuries that you're dealing with. And can't wait to see you back on the football field, man. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. You got it. Chaz Ayu on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. This is a really serious subject and an emotional one, right? Because a lot of people go through a lot of things. Um, And Chaz is one who's talking about it. So Kalani Stake has been a counselor this summer to his guys, right? With COVID and you talk about just how weird life is, right? And And then you talk about the injuries with Chaz and the expectation. Listen, when you come home from a mission early, there's an unfortunate stigma and judgment associated with that. Chaz dealt with that, not to mention mental health and what uh, he talked about. Uh, he dealt with an arrest this summer, which he says was false, right? And, and dealing with all of that, all of that, not to mention the injuries. I mean, it's just a lot. And everyone has something in their life. But, yeah, it, this is a conversation we need to have. And we've had conversations that have been non-sports on the show quite a bit the last couple months with, with uh, racial injustice and now mental health, and these are important conversations, and they pierce the sports world, and I'm glad that we can have those. So I learned a lot from that discussion with Chaz. I look at that, and as I talk to him, I think that Chaz will not only be stronger mentally, I, I think this could propel him to something greater, honestly. I, I, I hope so, I, absolutely. What, and hopefully that's uh, obviously off the field is number one, on the field as well, great. But if it doesn't on the field, it's going to be okay. It's because be he's okay. already taken strides. Because off the field matters more. There's yes. Four or five year period of your life. Join the conversation 24 7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Time now for the film room with BYU safety Troy Warner and his two interceptions. Presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. All right, Troy, let's talk about what you tweeted out after the game. You said, winning isn't easy. Sometimes it's not pretty, but we got the job done. Proud of this team. Lessons to be learned. Short week. Looking forward to the next one. Why did you feel like you needed to post that message after the game? Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like the emotions kind of just around around the team and, you know, Cougar Nation, it, it kind of felt like we had lost. But we, in reality, we won. We won the game. And winning in college football is, is hard, no matter who you're playing. And uh, I think I think we've got to take great pride in, in the fact that we won and we're 4-0. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of just uplift the mood a little bit and uh, just encourage, just just be encouraged by, by another win. So... The team certainly held to a high standard. Helps when you get some takeaways. You got one early in the game. Let's walk through it. But first, I want to flash back to April 15th. We had you on BYU Sports Nation, and we talked about having multiple picks. And, hey, <laughs> how do we get you an interception, bro? The time is now. So we, we're going to get we're gonna get more than one this year. And you get one. Walk me through this. Yeah, so I seen uh, the quarterback roll out, um, and I knew as soon as he rolled out that I had to really just get over the top and uh, as soon as he, as soon as the ball left his hands, I, I kind of slipped, 
and noticed that the ball was just kind of floating in the air. I wish I hadn't slipped or else I would have caught it and kept running, but I was just glad to, <laughs> to execute the takeaway. Did you think about fair catching it? Um, you know what? <laughs> At one point, I might have. <laughs> it was up there a while, and you got it. Yeah, it was up there for a minute. Was it validating? You said you were going to have multiple. You got a second, man, and maybe there's a bunch more to come. Yeah, it felt good. It felt good. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, just, just excited for the, for many more opportunities this year. Okay, the first interception happens against La Tech. It was actually a second of the game. There was an offside call that prevented you actually having mm-hmm. another one, but uh, you, Randy Moss, to fool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That so on this play, uh, I, w- I was just in a deep third, and and uh, you know I saw I saw a late guy running up the running up the sideline, and I'm, I wanted to make sure that I you know kind of secured that as well as soon as the ball left his hands, and so I seen as soon as I seen that, I just went up and skied it. Just just tried to just try to get up there. Okay, and let's talk about Houston. Big game, different kind of opponent from the first four. Certainly some speed on the outside. What's the biggest challenge you see in defending those receivers? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you just said, they're they're a very talented group. Uh, these receivers are some of the best in the country, and uh, it's going to be about just minimizing the the big play and trying to just trying to contain them and, and doing doing what we can to uh, to play well as a defense and and just being connected and and doing all the right things. And, and execute and takeaways when the opportunities present themselves. And uh, we're really excited for this opportunity. We're going to grind really hard this week. Uh, we know it's a short week, so we got to take advantage of, uh, of the time that we have. Well, Troy, congratulations on multiple picks, 4-0, and good luck against Houston. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. All right, Troy Warner in the film room with Jerem Jordan. I love the fair catch comments. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. Could whip around and then by visible supply chain management, tra- tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Let's bring Spencer Linton back in to get us going in the whip. Hey, Jeremy, let's start with this brain buster. Is tonight a top five game in importance in the history of BYU football's independence era? Uh, we love uh, hyperbole, right, and uh, superlatives and whatnot. Um, I think, yes, if BYU's going to try and make a New Year's Six, and let's be honest, the way schedule, this is the only year they're ever going to have a shot at this. So, yes, uh, I would argue it's the most important because if BYU doesn't beat Houston, uh, the Boys State game's not going to matter as much. San Diego State game's not going to matter as much. So, yes. It certainly feels massive. Um, there are a few other ones I want to point out in terms of the feeling of BYU fans going into the game. Notably, 2012, when BYU had Oregon State and Notre Dame back-to-back, that felt big That's in Independence. What, Oregon like, State was sense. a top-10 team for context. Yes, and it was the blackout in Provo. Yeah. Like You could sense the opportunity there for BYU, and then they went to South Bend and played Notre Dame to a three-point game on the road the following week. Unfortunately, didn't get either of those wins. But going into those games, it, it, it felt big. And then how about the Vegas Bowl 2015? That also is in the running. BYU-Utah, when re- that happened. I don't remember that one. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sorry to bring it back up. But, man, the, the hype, the buildup. You jumped in a pool of 45-degree water for crying out loud a before massive that mistake. game. Yeah, that, that, that's the kind of hype that we're talking about. But, yeah, certainly this game, I mean – 
You got to go back to 2014 when BYU was 4-0. The last time they had Taysom Hill, Heisman hype, all that stuff. And it just, it, it feels massive tonight for sure. So it's definitely top five. With the reported absence of Kyrus Tonga due to a non-COVID illness or injury, who will be the most impactful BYU defender? I think it's probably going to be from the linebacking core, and I really like Peyton Wilgar, especially if BYU is going to have to drop eight. I felt like Peyton Wilgar did some really nice things against air raid attacks, specifically USC last year. He had three interceptions to lead BYU, so watch out for Peyton Wilgar to cause some problems for Houston's air raid offense. I agree. He will have an interception tonight. Calling it right now. Mm. Okay. Then we move to this. Jamal Williams, and we talked about this earlier in the show, Jerem, always good for a soundbite or two, when he was a guest on Game on Wisconsin, and I paraphrase, was asked if Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers were the GOAT, and I quote, I'm pretty sure my quarterback knows what fourth down is. You know what I mean? So throwing shade at Tom Brady for crying out loud. Will Jamal's comments on Tom Brady come back to haunt him in some way, Jerem? Well, if the Packers lose, yes. Uh, but Tom Brady already has six titles and uh, dated, uh, married a Brazilian supermodel. I think he's won. I think he's won. He's the GOAT. But, uh, no, Jamal's a free agent after this year. I don't, if he's not going to sign with the Bucks, I don't see, like, I don't see an issue. It's fine. It's all in good fun. And uh, I, I doubt that Tom Brady is concerned about what Green Bay's second string running back is saying. <laughs> we do in love Jamal, of his quarterback. We do love Jamal. Okay, what's the chance Sione Takitaki and the Browns are in first place on Monday night? Uh, in their division. Under 5%, Jeremy. Un- under 5%. Uh, I think the Steelers are the real deal this year. Uh, Big Ben is playing at a super high level. I like Cleveland. I think that they are doing some really nice things, but... To me, this is the toughest game that they're going to have played all year. So I, I do not see Cleveland coming out as the winner and being in first place of the division after they play the Steelers. Yeah, I think the Steelers will win as well. Five and a half point favorites against the Browns at home. 40 days until NCAA basketball begins. Incredible. The hype is real. I mean, you watched BYU practice earlier this week. It was really fun. So, because you had a courtside seat, who is your starting five for BYU basketball right now? Okay, I go the ABBA backcourt, Alex Parcella, Brandon Averett. And then I go big with, uh, you know, Matt Harms and and uh, Harward, but Richard Harwood. But I don't know who's going to play the three. Uh, you got Trevin Nell, you got Connor Harding, you got Caleb Lohner, you got Gideon George. I don't know yet, dude. I think I'm confident on the four of those five. Yeah, that's the big question, right, is who's going to play at that three spot. Right now I have Connor Harding there because I feel like he has the experience and the trust of the coaches maybe a little bit more than some of the other younger guys. But that can change very quickly. Yeah. So for me, it's it's the same five as you, just with Connor Harding in as the three. He's coming back from an injury and wasn't full contact with six weeks to go, so we need to see him recover first. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I... I so here's I have can I can, can I throw in a bonus question really quick here? I don't what think do you, so. What do you? What, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I won't do it. They're like go to break. We'll, we'll, we'll push on. We'll push on. <laughs> that wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast. Every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.